of January 2023. It was just the new year and now we're almost done and Super Bowl's around the corner. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, I wanted to start off at the top just talking about some comments that were given on the last couple episodes. Uh, if you don't know already and you listen through Anchor.fm or you know the Anchor app or um, Spotify, which actually owns Anchor, um, you'll know that there is a community like question boards that uh, I submit a question every week with every episode. And it's basically targeted uh, towards the episode um, or has to do with the episode. And I just, uh, you know, look for, for feedback and basically like not feedback. Um, it's more of just kind of getting you involved in the, the episode, the topic of the episode. So uh, last week, uh, no, let's go two weeks ago. Good eye sniper. No one really knows about it yet. So that's why I've only gotten like one comment, <laughs> which, um, you know, I, I maybe, I guess when I looked at the platforms, most people are not listening through Spotify. Uh, they're mainly listening through Apple podcasts or they're listening through anchor, which is actually strange. But, um, I thought more people would be listening through Spotify, but if, if we get more people out there, or if you are listening through Spotify, check out, there's usually a community question. Um, the question for good eye sniper, uh, that was the episode dealing with or at the very end, dealing with the uh, the rat traps. Um, the question was, what would you do if you found a rat in your home? And the reply we got on Spotify from Bobby. Bobby said, quote, scream like a girl. Where I used to work, it was always me that came across them. Although two were dead ones and two others ran off. Um, end quote. That's horrifying. <laughs> like, where did you work, Bobby? Uh, was this in a, a public place that people uh, ate at? <laughs> where, where was this? I'm glad you're not there anymore. Hopefully the new job is a better situation. Um, yeah, no, that would not be fun. I've I've ran to mice before in our home and never a rat. And uh, thankful for that. Um, but the mice were not, I mean, they don't get in your way. It's just they burrow in your walls and stuff. And I've I've had to exterminate a couple and it's not pleasant. Um, but never a rat. I'm thankful for that. Okay. So last week's episode that triggered a lot of responses and 99% of them I cannot talk about because I was asked not to. <laughs> so, um, but there's one on, on Instagram. Uh, it was a, it was a hot topic and you know, I, I think that we could probably, I would love to have a guest on that knows more about it and, and maybe has, um, deeper feelings about it or, a deeper insight into what makes AI generated art, you know, ethical and non-ethical, uh, what goes into the, the algorithms, you know, uh, when there are people are using these different apps, are they actually manipulating the, the, um, the algorithms themselves other than just throwing in keywords? Is there more to it? Um, that I would like to know. 
or maybe there's AI generated art that actually is more hands-on than these apps are. That's, that's something I'd like to find out. But uh, if you know anybody, or if you are one of those people, uh, just reach out to me, go to no green eggs podcast and uh, just send me a direct message and I'll get back to you. I'd, I'd really, really be interested in, in hearing what people have to say. Um, but like I said, so um, no one really wanted to make their opinion known uh, or at least not let me tell other people. So um, the only one that we did get, it was actually my brother was on uh, Instagram and he said, this is perhaps the most important concept permeating the zeitgeist at the moment. Glad you added your perspective. Thank you. And it continued, we're this much closer to the robot uprising. 100%. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Skynet, everything. Um, No, I don't know. It's, um, it's, I, you heard my opinion. I, I don't think that using AI generated art in commissions and in, um, competition is, is fair unless you have it specifically towards like a competition. That's like a separate category for that. But even then it's like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I need somebody on here that can explain it better to me and, um, maybe go through it or who uses it. That would be good. Somebody that uses it a lot. Um, and maybe manipulates it hands-on. That would be interesting. Um, cause I don't know. Uh, I just, uh, I don't find it to be as, you know, listen to the last week's episode. I, I just don't think that it was, it was fair for the, the competition in Colorado, the, the other digital artists to be, to be handed a loss to an AI generated piece of work. And, um, I don't know. Uh, there were people that, that said that, you know, they didn't find anything wrong with, and AI generated art in, in working, like if you're, if you're doing a commission, um, but if that's the case, I mean, wouldn't you scale it then, you know, would you charge your normal, um, rates? Like if you're a digital artist compared to AI generated, or if you're doing a hands-on, if you're doing, um, you know, pen to paper, brush to paper, um, or canvas, would you charge the same? And I, I would think that you would need to scale that because a lot of the work is being taken away. And I also said that, you know, I wouldn't put a piece of digital art for the most part on my wall, but, but then I, my wife, <laughs> she's like, but you have a, uh, a Coheed and Cambria album that's, uh, um, you know, an NLP that's framed on the wall. And I, yeah, I guess maybe that was digitally done. So I guess I, I lied, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I don't think I, I don't think that I would ever put an AI generated piece of work on my wall unless I was playing around with it, and th- and that would just be just for the you know the sake of just seeing what it's all about. But I, I already played around and, and I didn't I wasn't impressed. But that was with a different app. Um, anyway, I, I'm just going to get into a, a a whole thing, and and I, that's not really the point of today's episode. So for all of you out there, thank you so much for your feedback. Um, maybe next time, you know, leave me feedback that I can actually talk about. <laughs> talk to the, to the world about. Um, cause I'd be, uh, you know, better for the show. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell people look, no, look, I have this, these people said these things and I, and I can't say that, um, because they don't, they don't want me to. So, you know, leave some feedback that that's, uh, that's good. I, I'll, uh, full disclosure, my, like I said, my brother left the feedback on Instagram, but he's also one of the ones that left feedback personally. So he, he just did both. So do that. Leave me both. If you have stuff to say that you don't want said, then, you know, leave something else, like like a tidbit that you're okay with me saying. So I thank you very much, my brother. I guess I can say Joe. 
<laughs> I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, did an artist profile for him. Um, okay. So anyway, um, you can reach out to me, no green eggs, no green eggs podcast on Facebook and Instagram, preferably uh, Instagram. I don't go on Facebook a lot and leave comments there. Uh, or you can just send me a DM and, uh, of course, again, Spotify, which owns anchor, go on there and, uh, join the discussion in the community. Okay. So today's topic, it's not, uh, well, okay. It is, it's going to sound like it's a, a big and smallville episode, but it's not. Um, so a little while back, my, my brother-in-law, Donnie, who I've also put on this show, um, he sent, uh, my, his mother, my mother-in-law, not sent her. He talked to her about a dream that he had where he dreamt that I was Batman. And, uh, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a neat little dream. And I, I don't know all the details of it. <laughs> One, I don't remember what she said. And two, I, I didn't hear it from him. So um, don't know. But uh, it got me thinking. Uh, it's kind of a loaded topic or a loaded statement, I should say, because what kind of Batman was it? Now, most people wouldn't think that. Most people would just assume that's the Batman that everyone knows and it's the, the Dark Knight and the guy that you know, is, is dark and brooding and, but like fights crime and, you know, uh, but most people don't know that there are many different variations of Batman. So I wanted to get into that a little bit. First of all, I will give you a tidbit of DC news, um, but this has to do with it as well. Uh, so Jason Momoa recently came out and said that um, he is still Aquaman. The, the, the second movie is coming out. Um, he kind of hinted towards that he's still being, he's going to be Aquaman in the future, but he also kind of stated, not really, uh, kind of leading to speculations from the last couple months or, or rumors that he's going to play Lobo. Um, so he might do two different characters. It, it, he definitely did say that, you know, he might play other characters within the, the DC universe. Um, I know he met with James Gunn, so he was pretty excited afterwards. And uh, that could be for many reasons. But he also did confirm that he shot several scenes with different Batman over the last year. And so you have to assume that based on the last few movies or variations of it, um, that would you would have to assume that he shot scenes with Affleck and Pattinson and even Keaton because Keaton was supposed to be in the, the Flash movie. And I think he still might be in there. Um, but you're not sure who else. I mean, I, I doubt Christian Bale came back for anything. <laughs> I hope not George Clooney, uh, Val Kilmer. He can't really speak anymore. So that didn't happen. And who knows who else? I don't think that they found a new Batman yet. Uh, James Gunn did say that uh, very recently that he's going to be playing, like he's going to be planning out the movies and the scripts first before even seeking out the actors. So I doubt that they have anybody in mind for any big roles that need to be switched at this point. Um, but that being said, um, it's pretty hopeful or, or pretty, I don't know. Uh, Aquaman was a good movie. Uh, it did very well in the box office in comparison to others. Uh, so that's, that's good. We'll see where the future of that goes, but the Batman thing is what we're talking about. So when I found out this information that, he, you know, my brother-in-law had a dream, obviously it's just a dream because I'm not Batman. Um, 
I immediately thought, well, what about Superman? Because I'm more of a Superman fan and and people associate that with me more than than Batman. I do love Batman. Don't get me wrong. But I'm thinking Superman would be would be cool. But it was my dream. And it was his dream. And not that you can control a dream, right? <laughs> so what am I talking about? So then I was thinking, which Batman? You know, or which Batman would I pick? You know, I don't know what he was doing in, in the dream or what I was doing as Batman. But like, it was a Christian Bale's Batman is a deep, you know, like the raspier voice, the, the voice that hurt Christian Bale, <laughs> basically. Um, Affleck's Batman. I, again, I will say it. I, I actually really like Affleck's version of, of an older Batman. And uh, I didn't think I would. And I didn't want to, uh, but it grew on me really quickly. Uh, was it Pattinson? More of a Keaton, a West, kind of a campy, fun, like comic book brought to life kind of Batman, like just the the slapstick. Um, was it like Bruce Timm's Batman, uh, which was made realized and iconic by Kevin Conroy, which we've talked about before? Or what about uh, Earth One's Batman? That was created by Jeff Johns. Bruce Timm, Jeff Johns, the both really big names in the comic book industry and for DC in particular. Uh, so Jeff Johns, uh, he brought a more realistic, almost lackluster version of Batman that was more attainable by the normal person. Um, and that was in the Earth One. Or what about uh, Scott Snyder's villainous version? No one ever thinks of this. Uh, that one was known as the Batman who laughed. Or the Batman who laughs, right? Batman who laughs. Someone back me up on that. Uh, that was in, He was infected by a Joker, basically. Bruce Wayne was infected by a Joker toxin, a form of Joker toxin. And like turned into this maniacal, like malevolent, uh, malevolent, not malevolent, uh, psychotic killing Batman. Um, just a real force to be re- uh, reckoned with. And, um, you know, just the ultimate villain. Um, or what about the, the Flashpoint Batman? That, uh, that, that changed the, mem- uh, the memorable script, the script that everyone knows. Like, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne basically took up this, you know, vengeance model when his parents were killed in an alleyway. But in the Flashpoint Batman, it's completely different. So Joe Chill, who's the murderer, actually murders Bruce and leaves the parents alive. And that, um, you know, threw Martha into a madness that basically broke her mind and caused her to become the Joker of that realm, of that, that storyline. And then also forced Thomas, the father, to become a gun-wielding Batman who shed all morals in his search for vengeance. You know, that, that's a completely different story. So which kind of Batman would I have been? You know? Um, and then I, I thought, well, uh, probably the Batman I would choose if I was given the choice. You know, I, of course, Batman, you know, has all the money, has all this other stuff, but he has a lot of darkness has a lot of sadness and i was like ah, i don't know about that i mean in earth one like in, in all the stories he's basically alone except for alfred in earth one his relationship with alfred is is even tighter than in most stories because alfred is there and he's the one that trains him um alfred for those of you who don't know was like a military um person in in great britain and you know a lot of Kind of like a, almost like a spy assassin type of thing, and uh, he's very tactical. So that was a really good um, mentor for for Batman. 
But then I, I thought, well, I think I would rather pick the version created by John Mark and De Matisse. I'm not sure that's how he spells it, how pronounce his name, because <laughs> uh, I never heard it said in, in real life. But um, he wrote the 1993 comic Speeding Bullets. And the reason I picked that one is because he basically asked and answered the question, which has been done before, what if Superman landed somewhere else? So we all know that Superman landed in Kansas, in Smallville, Kansas, and was raised by the Kent family, a very morally good, hardworking family that, you know, brought him up with, you know, he, he's basically a god on, on this planet because of what his abilities are. But he's brought up with, with morals and with, you know, uh, humanity. So what if he went somewhere else? They did this uh, with, what was it, Red One, uh, where he was dropped into Russia uh, during the time of Joseph Stalin. He basically became a hero for the working class uh, in Russia. So they, they've done this before. And I, I believe they've done it, in, you know, in other cases. Um, Smallville did it once, <laughs> where he actually flew and, and dropped, or it was, it was still Smallville, but it was actually Lionel Luther that, uh, that found him as opposed to the Kents. And he became a, a darker, <laughs> like a frat boy kind of uh, Superman that was uh, basically just Lex Luthor, how Lionel would have wanted Lex Luthor to be as a, as a child, um, but darker. So, <laughs> um, but so anyway, in Speeding Bullets, they did the same thing. And, or Jay, he goes by JM. Um, he did the same thing where he had um, the meteor basically that carried the spaceship from, you know, from Krypton landed in Gotham and who found it was actually Bruce and Martha Wayne. And, you know, they found in the same way that the Kents found them. And what they did is they adopted them right away. And so he was named Bruce Wayne. But he was from Krypton. He was still Kal-El. They had a spaceship and they, they kept it in the, or Thomas Wayne kept it in the, the Bat Caves. Um, this is before anyone thought about Batman. And it, it basically starts off a little different, but then goes right into the same thing where he's in an alleyway with his parents. Joe Chill comes, kills the parents. Um, like Before that, before you even get to that, the parents know that there's something special about him, not just because he came from another planet, but because he, he never got sick. He never got hurt by anything, no broken bones. So they know there's something special, but they don't know everything about him. Um, Thomas Wayne was keeping journals that Bruce ended up finding out about later on when, you know, after the Waynes died, Alfred brought him down and let him see it. Uh, because, you know, Bruce started thinking like, or asking himself, why me and who am I? You know, why, why am I not getting sick? Uh, I know, jumping around. So he basically gets to this point where he realizes that he could have done something without knowing that he could have at the time. He was young. He was still nine or 11 years old. I can't remember. And um, what was I going to say? <laughs> so he, he starts beating himself up. Um, and, but then like his whole life is surrounded by this moment, just like it is for Batman and, and it guides him into his future. However, because it's different than the Kent family. Now the Wayne family 
still had great morals and still brought him up really well, except for the fact that he was a recluse. He was basically behind the wall all the time. You know, the only friend he had was Alfred. And, you know, he was very alone. He, he didn't go to schools. He didn't leave the house so much other than, you know, their, their times when they would go to the theater because it wasn't the only time they ever went. But he, he didn't have friends. He was never, you know, allowed to, really. They taught him really well. He was very sophisticated. You know, Thomas Wayne and, and Martha Wayne were very smart people and they, they taught him philanthropy and all these different things. But he didn't have any social skills to, to speak of. So after his parents passed away, he, he just, he didn't know what to do. Um, he, he realized in that moment that he was, um, there's something special because he was actually shot as well, but the bullets bounced off and he ended up killing Joe Chill with his heat ray vision. Um, he didn't know, he never used it before, it never came out, but the high emotions, if you've ever seen Smallville, you'd see it there. It's like, Emotions affected every power that he had, and he, he then he ended up learning it and honing it. But because of that, it 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 it, it uh, started with high emotions, and he had accidentally killed Joe Chill. Um, but then the, the whole his whole childhood, and up until the fact, up until the age of twenty one, he's like, why couldn't I? Why didn't I help them? Why didn't I do something? But he didn't know. So that's when Alfred, you know took him down to the Batcave and, and showed him what, what was what. And then you go through the whole story again of like Bruce Wayne realizing he's seen bats and he realizes that he, there's more to him and he learns how to fly in the Batcave and then realized there's more purpose. There's, there's more for him to do. And so he, he ends up becoming like a Batman and, but he looks different. I actually have the, the figure I'm looking at right now. My, my uh, sister-in-law got me the, the comic book. That's, the speeding bullets comic book uh for christmas or my birthday my birthday um i'm looking at it and it looks like batman but with a superman symbol type icon with the bat symbol in between it's really cool it's a really cool batman uh he's got a big cape and anyway so he ends up fighting crime but he's not he's not doing it for the right reason so you have Batman was obviously for vengeance and was for basically taking down criminal world and, and destroying everything in light of the fact that he was, you know, uh, created as an, uh, made into an orphan because of a criminal. Well, in, in this version, the difference is this Bruce Wayne is impenetrable, you know, and, and is superhuman. So he could do a lot more damage and he does. And it takes the love of a woman, like, like it does for all of us men <laughs> that, that have special women in our lives, to, to hone that ability. And so at first, you know, he ends up, um, it's really, it's really I know I'm just going off and off and off, but uh, Lex Luthor ends up coming to Gotham City because he already conquered, you know, um, Metropolis. And obviously there's no Superman there. So that's why he was able to do whatever he needed to do. And he comes and, you know, he tries to basically take over Gotham. Um, and Lois Lane comes as well because Bruce Wayne ends up buying the paper and Lois Lane ends up like immediately, almost immediately, it seems like they, they fall in love almost. But uh, because he's very kind, he's a very kind boss. He's very smart. 
He runs it really well. He brings Perry White in to to take care of the the newspaper, but he's the the brains behind it. And um, so Lois Lane ends up seeing um, this Batman very violently take out people that uh, were surrounding Lois because Lois was actually picked up by Lex. I don't just basically let's just read you the comic book. Um, Lex Luthor ended up picking up Lois Lane. He wanted her to be a part of his newspaper. And, um, you know, she was happy where she was and he just drops her off, you know, 50 blocks from her home into this really bad area. And these four guys go up against her and then here comes Batman to save the day, except the way he did it was quite horrible. And, you know, she's like, I can't believe it. And she started writing an article about how he was not, this was like an anti-hero. It wasn't good. He wasn't a symbol of hope. Um, not that anyone knew that that's what he was supposed to be. And like I said, this is a different variation. Um, I should, I should say side note, the whole book, the whole comic book is actually narrated in the eyes of Lois Lane. It's actually pretty cool. Um, anyway, so going forward. Um, so Lex Luthor ends up, you know, okay. I should say Bruce Wayne slash Batman end up taking on Lex Luthor and making him public enemy number one in the papers and, you know, in the streets. And he's never able to get, get even close to Lex Luthor. He's not sure why. And Lex Luthor ends up coming to the Daily Planet and basically outing himself as the Joker. So <laughs> Lex Luthor is the Joker in this comic book. And actually it's really cool. Lex Luthor in this looks more like Kingpin from um, Daredevil. I know I'm crossing brands here, but um, just a really big um, statue of a man that's just really broad shoulders and just kind of heavy set, but uh, just a, a presence. And um, so it, it ends up that he's the Joker because of some factory explosion. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, so he he basically pushes, um, he shoots a gun at, what's his face? Bruce Wayne. And it kind of knocks him over, which is kind of strange. Um, there's no kryptonite in any of this. No, no kryptonite is ever mentioned in this in this comic book. And he ends up taking Lois and flying out the window with this like makeshift helicopter he has strapped to his back. And uh, then Batman comes out, obviously, and and saves Lois. But then also, Lois is watching as Batman is like taking Lex Luthor up in the air, up further and further and further, and then dropping him. Because he knows that Lex Luthor is the ultimate enemy and the only way to get rid of him is to just kill him. But then he has a crisis of, of humanity at the moment. He's like, what am I doing? Because he also did hear Lois talk about how messed up she saw the Batman being and how much of a hero he could be, but he's not. And he ends up swooping down and catching Lex Luthor and pulling him back up again. And then he notices the Joker, I guess, Lex Luthor slash Joker. It actually brought in an army into the city and the city is being terrorized by all these, these people. And so Batman and, and, you know, uh, I guess holding on to humanity or taking that part of himself and, and grasping onto it actually takes Lex Luthor to a prison and then comes back and cleans up the city and then shows himself as a hero, as opposed to a vengeful, I'm going to just destroy every bad, evil thing, no matter what it takes. 
And Lois sees that. And then she, you know, he lands to her and, you know, makes sure she's okay. And then she pulls out the mask. She's like, I already knew it was you, but you know, uh, I saw your humanity as Bruce Wayne. And now I finally see it as Batman. And then it ends with Batman or Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, realizing that the Batman is more of a symbol of, of fear. And he wanted to be more of a symbol of hope. So then he becomes Superman. And I'll be that kind of Batman because <laughs> at the end, I become Superman. That's why the, the, uh, the comic book is actually called Superman Speeding Bullets. So um, spoiler alert for all of you who are comic book fans that haven't heard that one. But if you are comic book fans, that was back in 1993. It's 30 years ago. You can get over it. Um, so Donnie, I will take that version, <laughs> Jam's version of the Batman and then eventually get what I want anyway. So that's what I choose. <laughs> that is my choice anyway. <laughs> so that's fun, isn't it? Um, it was a good comic book. It was a one and, one and done kind of deal. And uh, it was enjoyable. I have it. I read it again and again. And I have the figure. It's, uh, it's actually sitting next to my Henry Cavill um, DC Multiverse figurine. It's actually the same line. It's uh, Todd McFarlane uh, did these, designed them. So, um, yeah, there you go. If anyone asks what kind of Batman would you be? Or if they ever said, you know, you're more like Batman, you got to question it. You got to dig deeper. Like, well, you think that's true, but what, which Batman? There's so many. There's very twisted versions of Batman out there. Um, I just named a few. There's a lot. So uh, I didn't even get into the other movie, Batman, but that's okay. News about For Reals podcast. Um, Michael and I are hopefully recording this week. Like I said before, Michael's been, you know, very under the weather. He's going through things right now. So um, thoughts and prayers to him if you can or if you wish. You should. He's a great guy. But um, we won't be doing that this week. No, release this Wednesday. Hopefully next Wednesday. But I'm not going to press him. Uh, he said he wants to record, but it all depends on how his health is and how he's uh, reacting to things. Um, so again, reach out to him, go to four reels podcast on Instagram and, uh, you know, just send some love on one of our posts or send some, send a DM and, uh, he'll, he'll greatly appreciate that. And, uh, any, uh, I want to say thank you to all my subscribers. Thank you to the people that donate or to, uh, what do you, what do you call them? Subscription based people. Thank you to you. <laughs> <laughs> those that give monthly it's greatly appreciated it is going to the podcast things are in the works to make this um more legit as far as like a business goes yet still maintain the the fun of it um but i mean i'm talking more of like getting to the point where we can actually get real sponsors so thank you it's helping greatly and if you want to do it there's a, a link on my website no green eggs or anchor.fm, there's a way to do it there. I also have a Patreon, but there's nothing really on there right now. So just the other two ways are better. Anchor.fm slash no green eggs, I believe. I don't know. Go to nogreeneggs.com and uh, do it that way. Or hit me up on No Green Eggs Podcast and send me a DM and I'll, I'll give you the link to, to, to do that. All right. Hey, thank you very much. Oh, there is one more thing kind of a little bonus and it kind of ties in to this. So like I did a couple weeks ago with Good Eye Sniper, we have another patented item 
that we want to take a look at. <laughs> I'll try to get this done really quickly, but I had to do it because it just fit through. Um, so this gentleman named Pasquale Nigro of Clarksville, Tennessee, came up with a little patent in 1908. Uh, I should say the application was in May 15th of 1908. It was actually patented. This passed, which is bananas. And you'll find out why. But this passed in February 9th, 1909. So only a few months later, six, seven months later. Uh, actually, no, seven, eight, nine, nine months later. Doesn't matter. Um, okay. And <laughs> I'll put a link to this on the uh, in the description. You can see the picture. Uh, again, it's uh, an artist de- artist rendering. Uh, I don't know if he did it or friends did it. Um, it's witnessed. It's got uh, an attorney on there. And um, this picture is pretty detailed with some numbers uh, that go along with <laughs> the actual filing for the patent. And there's a section, second picture of the actual item itself by itself without somebody strapped to it. Uh, you'll find out in a minute. And again, a bunch of numbers detailing every aspect of this thing. Uh, I guess I will (laughs) describe it to you. I kind of want to, you know what? I'm going to read it. Again, this is not a very long one. It is worded weird because of the timing and it's just strange, but it starts off the same as the last one. To all whom it may concern. Here we go. Be it known that I, Pasquale Nigro, a subject of the King of England, and a resident of Clarksville in the county of Montgomery and state of Tennessee. What was subject of the King of England? Okay. Have invented certain new and useful improvements in fire escapes, of which the following is a specification. So I should say that this is called fire escape, the dash in between. That's it. That's all it's called. My invention is an improvement in fire escapes and consists in certain novel constructions and combinations of parts here and after described and claimed, referring to the drawings forming a uh, part here of figure one shows the improvement in operation. Figure two is a front view of the frame and the means for attaching it to the body of the wearer. Figure three is a central longitudinal section and figure four is a detailed perspective view of the central portion of the frame showing the hinged connection. The present embodiment of my invention comprises a frame consisting of a central portion one adapted to be placed on the shoulders of the wearer and having a cutaway portion two for receiving the neck. (laughs) Such a weird way of phrasing that. Okay, continue. The central portion one is provided at each side of the opening with strengthening ribs. Three, the side sections five are hinged to the ends of the central sections by a rule joint six. We skip four. As shown in figure four. Okay, figure four. Wait. We're, we're messing with things. There's an order of things and we, he just skipped it. How did this pass? It will be observed that the side sections are curved longitudinally in the plane of the sections and are provided adjacent to the commencement of the curved portion with loops eight for engagement by the hands of the wearer as shown in figure one. We're halfway done. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, The frame is provided with the covering of fabric material nine and is secured to the body of the wearer by means of straps ten which are riveted or otherwise secured to the central portion of the frame one as at 11, the straps crossing and being riveted together as at 12, the upper ends thereof being provided with buckles 13 and the lower ends with the spaced openings 14 
for engagement by the tongues of the buckles. A strap 15 is secured to the fabric material as at 16, the said strap being endless and forming a loop for engaging a belt 17. You're going to want to look at this because then you can re-listen to this <laughs> and then go through all the different parts. Again, he's got four. Uh, I guess four doesn't matter. Let, if I'm going to look really quick. Where's four? Four is not on here. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's has not. I think it's around the neck part, but he never mentions. Okay. All right, we're almost done. In operation, the frame is placed on the wearer's shoulders with the opening to engaging the neck and the crossing of the straps on the back. The free ends of the straps are then brought upwardly under the arms and to the opposite shoulder and into engagement with the buckles, the belt being buckled around the waist of the wearer. The wearer now engages the loops eight with his hands and is prepared to leap the air imprisoned beneath the fabric. <laughs> okay, well, hold on, hold on. The wearer now engages the loops eight with his hands and is prepared to leap the air, comma, leap air, leap, no, leap, comma, the air imprisoned beneath the fabric material serving to uphold the wearer and break the force of his fall. It will be, <laughs> you heard right, they're jumping from a window. It will be observed that the lugs three and six of the hinge sections permits the frame to open out in alignment or prevents an upward bending of the side sections with respect to the central section, permitting, however, a downward movement so that the frame may be folded together for convenience in carriage or storage. Then ends it with, I claim... A fire escape comp comprising a frame composed of a central section and side sections hinged to the central section means in connection with the hinges for preventing upward movement of the side sections with respect to the central section, the side sections being curved toward their outer ends, a covering of fabric material for the frame, straps connected with the central portion for securing said central portion to the shoulders a loop connected with the fabric material, a belt engaged with the loop, and loops on the side sections for engagement by the hands of the wearer. Pasquale, Pasquale, <laughs> I can't talk anymore. Nigro, witnesses, Logan C. Davis and W.B. Anderson, who were not smart enough or at least worthy enough to, to say, what are you doing? Okay, it is a Batman. It's, it's Batman. He just made a contraption that makes him Batman. And he jumps out of a window. There's a platform on the window, of course. You have to jump over the flames. And he's just, he's soaring down to the ground. Um, this was a contraption. Don't know. I, I could not find anywhere where anyone had ever, ever used this, ever made it. I don't know that that was ever made by Pasquale himself, but is patented and could have been. And um, I'm going to say it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> looking at looking at the ratio i mean it's long enough but it's definitely not big enough like it's it's basically like the fabric itself is like a foot and a half high and that's not enough to to like take out or to like take in enough air for an updraft to come down safely without falling and killing yourself so i don't know <laughs> i don't think this will work i'm going to put that down there that is the fire escape application filed in 1908, patented in 1909 by Pasquale Nigro. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say that 
thankfully we have other means of escaping fiery buildings um and you don't see these in new york <laughs> so <laughs> i thought that'd be fitting with today's episode uh, anyway so until next time see you not see you